2: to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast, with Borg, Bets, and a baller.
0: Welcome in. It's time to pump up the jams.
3: <laughs> oh,
1: yes!
0: You went with it. You know, it's the first show, and people have, actually they have very high expectations of this show. As they should. And as the one, I'm going to call myself a point guard on this show, if that's okay.
4: Which, which type are you like a? Are you like a Steve Nash? So I talked Chris to Andy Ball? about this.
0: I know you guys have Phoenix reference. I'm going to go with an Atlanta-based reference. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember. This.
2: Okay. Um,
0: Mookie Blaylock. Oh, no?
2: that's setting your bar real high, huh? You're oh. so hey. Welcome into the show, with led by Mookie, average
0: host. Hey. Then I'll go Kevin Johnson. There we go. Yeah, we're back, baby. All right. (laughs) Which means, uh, the mayor, (laughs) Jason, you're going to have to go Charles Barkley here. Oh, of course. I'll be the round mound of rebound all day. And you got style, Mike, so you could be Cedric Sabalos. Okay. Okay.
4: Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. No. Well,
0: why not? Welcome in. First ever episode of the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty podcast. And I just want to say, the hype behind this has been, it's been a groundswell movement of people saying, we need this. We want this. But I think you two have said, I need to be on this show. I have to yes. be on this show, and I need to let loose. So, Jason, I know you've been holding back for a while, and I know we're going to get to share some things, even some things that people don't know from your coveted black
2: book. Ooh, of secrets. It, it is here. There, a lot secrets. of people have been asking, are, are we going to um, have this on video? Is Will this be on YouTube? And the black book cannot be seen. So this is this is cameras off. You get to have insider information here, but you can't see the majesty of the black book.
0: No, and there's stuff in the book that I don't, Jason has it hidden from me right now, so I can't even see it, but when we talk about prospects today, we're going to be talking about the rookie running back class. We're just going to get it to unveil and go much further than we did yesterday on the main show and kind of build off of that conversation. So Mike, apart from just giving that ripper to start the show, are you excited for Dynasty?
4: Oh man, I am I'm very very excited to talk about these running backs. I'm ex- like I don't even have access to Jason's uh, black book over there, the Necronomicon essentially, for a good Evil Dead reference. Uh, and like and just it's it'll be fun to you know talk about what I value uh, when I'm watching these running backs. It'll be interesting to hear the perspective from you two as well of like because we we each certainly value certain traits. More than than other people do, and and yet, and then we see which guys we come together on, like Charbonnet, where Jason and I are are madly in love with him, and we have a different process that gets us there.
0: And I'm here, just so you know, I'm not just going to copy and paste what you guys say. I'm going to give some counterpoints because that's kind of my personality. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind stirring it up a little bit. If what 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 people at
4: home may not realize is, like, on the on the Footballers Main Podcast, I will say I've like. Like Mike, he's sometimes goes contrarian. It's seemingly almost just to do it. And I would push back. I'm like, no, I just, you know, maybe a little bit sometimes. But Kyle is the worst. <laughs> the worst. If you tell Kyle he can do something, he will refuse. If there is a movie
2: that everyone <laughs> is talking about, oh, yeah. You know, he's not allowed to see it yeah. by law now.
0: Uh, John Wick, four. You guys are excited yeah. about that, right? Yep. Yeah, not, so. not going to yeah, see it. Just yeah. a full pass for just, Kyle. Just we, not-
2: you did already this morning in the studio. He came to me before you were in Mike and said, I, I can't wait to talk about Charbonnet cause I'm going to, I'm going to counter punch. <laughs> so what, well, you know, you'll get the whole gamut here. You're going to, uh, get different I'm, opinions
0: and I'm
4: super stoked for his anti B. Robinson. <laughs> He's okay. No, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, there no is. this There's is not much you can say about Bijan. You can follow the show on Spotify, Apple, uh, We're excited to be able to do this week and we out. But I think the part in Dynasty we're excited about is talking about the nasty in Dynasty. I'm going to try to refrain. That's what it's all about, man. I'm going to refrain from hitting that drop. But both of you guys have access to that drop if you just want to use it as much as you want to.
4: Uh, Yeah, don't worry. We'll get it in there.
0: Uh, So we want to start this out and hit a quick question here. For a lot of people, they've listened to footballers for a while, but Dynasty might be something new. I feel like on this podcast, we're going to hit people that have played for years and want to figure out how to get go deeper, how to figure out how to look at players and evaluate them. But what is one dynasty tip that has proved tried and true for you as a manager, Jason?
2: Um, for me, it is to sell young stud running backs one year into their second contract. It is really difficult when you have a great running back to actually let them go. Everyone wants them. There are never enough. Go look at your dynasty leagues and tell me how many teams are happy with their running backs. You're going to have two teams maximum that are happy with their running backs and the rest are needing running backs. And when you have Zeke and he just signs a new long-term extension, you've got Mixon off a great year signs a long-term extension. You've got Camara. Who's been a superstar signs a long-term extension. Dalvin cook awesome signs a long-term extension that first year they're still great that is when you sell them you sell them right then and if i mean look at the four guys i just mentioned they were all cut or could still be cut and you have no idea what their future is this is a couple years now into their extension you want to sell running backs for a young stud running back plus a pick over and over and over. It's how you keep restocking your running backs. Is this
0: something you saw Andy do and then you just said, hey. That's good. I've seen Andy and I've heard him talk about this too. Andy
2: has done it several times. There was a uh, the the I think his most famous was at peak Todd Gurley. When it yeah. looked like – I mean, Todd Gurley was a top five dynasty asset. It, it was untouchable, hard to get. And he was able to, after a great season – bite the bullet and say, I'm going to trade him for a haul. And he did, and then Todd Gurley disappeared from the face of the planet because he's a running back, and that's what happens, and he, I believe, got Dalvin Cook plus picks, and then it turned out Dalvin Cook was a better future asset as he was the younger player at the time.
0: Yeah, and I'll just follow up. I think that Evaluating players in Dynasty is a tricky thing. And when you start to bring in ADP, you're gonna find lots of different sources, which are which are great as a piece of the puzzle. But ADP for dynasty is a roadmap, and sometimes that leads you to you know awesome treasure, and other times it's just pure trash. ADP in Dynasty is very different. You know, when we look at ADP for redraft, we have a short time frame that we're looking at. Okay, is this player gonna be good for 2023? In dynasty. We're thinking this is what I think someone is worth, not what they're actually worth. And so we put a lot of times a value and a cost on a player that we're just not sure how it's going to turn out. I was in a startup draft with <poems> you gentlemen in a league that we just happened to be in together in Dynasty. Just years happened of- to. Yeah, uh, no, no big deal. We won't discuss that league at all in this podcast. So. Wait,
4: are you uh, champ, 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 champ,
2: champ? champ, champ. Mike, yep. you, you're the champ, champ, champ? Yeah. Oh,
4: and-
0: I'm the champ, champ,
2: champ. We must manage that team together.
0: Let it be known that I was the original champ of this league. I need to throw that in there. Okay. (laughs) Cool. And then that That one time? That one time. That's fun. It was my first year. But what I'm saying is, I drafted Juju as my first round pick because there was a point where Juju looked like an untouchable dynasty asset as he's the wide receiver one or two. It was him or Michael Thomas that people wanted. And when you look now and you go, wow, that is so far. And my draft, I felt so dumb because what I put on that player was, this is what they are and this is what they're going to be. He's a young, dynasty wide receiver. And so just keep that in mind. This is an open market and we are assessing value when we're trading of I think this player is worth this much. So keep in mind when people give you I don't know a trade calculator or evaluation, that's a piece of the puzzle, but I wouldn't say that's a final value.
4: Sure. I'll jump in. Uh my biggest tip is I mean number one know the rules of your league, which is a is a funny thing to have to remind people of, but make sure you know what's going on. And I say that specifically because our Dynasty Leagues, we roll with two Fab budgets. As soon as the Super Bowl is done, everyone's fab is replenished back up to a hundred, and then that that carries you through the offseason. Once the season kicks off, you are replenished again. So you, you get an off season one and you get an in season one. And after your rookie drafts, go see which rookies are available and be super aggressive. Because you'll see, you know, it, the how we look at these players during the rookie draft, it can be shaken up pretty quickly in the next few weeks. And so, like, uh, I'll give an example here of players I have gotten off of our waiver wire after our, we do a three-round. Immediately round, after. Immediately. It. We do a three-round w- rookie draft. There's a lot of places that go four or five. But, you know, there's a lot of leagues that go three. Terry McLaurin. Aaron Jones, Daniel Jones, the first round quarterback, like this offseason, Romeo Dobbs, who it hasn't turned into anything yet, but I mean, the hype train for Romeo Dobbs shortly after our rookie drafts, like got out of control with the Christian Watson injury and what could Dobbs be, but like those, not everyone you, you're going to get off the waiver is going to be a tremendous hit like that. Cause you know, I have for all those players, I have my. Uh, you know, the tight end stashes of like Gerald Everett, Adam Troutman, these guys where you're like, it makes sense for them to be on a team. So, but, but then they don't pan out. But my point is like Terry McLaurin was a third round pick, but he got drafted by the Washington Manders. And it was like, no one wants anything to do with this. Why did Terry McLaurin get drafted right. in the third round? You ought to just take the shot. Go be aggressive on this because you all you want a ton of rookies mixed in with veterans but you want a ton of upside rookies and those these are just these are free stashes yeah that, and that can that
2: can pay out in a huge way to speak to your tip here you have always been in our leagues the most aggressive there and I mean that in your your fab spend you're willing to leave the day after the draft yeah. with zero dollars because you're going to just dump everything you can on those guys right then and you usually get them and I have had to learn my lesson <laughs> <laughs> because I'm angry. The day after I'm like, "Dang it, I wanted that guy. I put a cheap bid in." And then by the time that the season rolls around cuz dynasty there's just not as many daily transactions mm-hmm. that you can make and the 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 waivers are much emptier. I usually go into the season when we reset the fab with fab dollars left over. You don't I, I don't get anything for that. So be aggressive. Yeah, I named- you beat me this year cuz yeah, I learned. You
4: you did learn your lesson and you got Pacheco and I did not. Ooh, that feels nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, a name that came to my mind this past year was Chigakonkwo. That was just sure. a tight end. Usually you don't want to draft them there, but pass the third round. So I think those are players that you could find, and you could find a lot more in the 2023 Dynasty Pass. We just had our post-combine update. We'll have an update after the NFL draft. Uh, we got our rookie mock draft. You guys just updated. I know Andy did some rookie rankings updates. So. I
2: did as well. All of our startup rankings are rookie rankings. All the basically the rookie rookie scouting is all in the Ultimate Draft Kit. If you are doing any kind of Dynasty League, any startup, or you just play in a long term, get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. It has literally everything that you need to dominate for Dynasty. That's why we're here. So go to ultimatedraftkit.com. Get the UDK Plus for the Dynasty information.
0: All right, let's get in the meat of it.
2: Running backs.
0: This week, we're going to look at the running backs in depth. And, you know, there's kind of a tier of guys that, you know, we talked about on the main show, but we're going to even go further with them, kind of talk about here's where we think they can go in rookie drafts. Here's some good landing spots. Here's a best case scenario, worst case scenario. I guess I'm bringing up the worst case. That's my job, right? Yes, it is your job. Okay, that's cool. But one of my favorite parts of this process, and I think what you two gentlemen are very good at is. What do we look for in scouting these running backs? And then how does that translate to fantasy? It's one thing to watch the tape and be a part of that group. And I, I love doing that. I love looking at the tape from just an NFL perspective. But what we care is how does this translate to fantasy football? And luckily, running back, I think, is the position that translates the best from college. Like Compared to tight end or wide receiver or like even other positions like offensive tackle, Like there's a huge learning curve from college to the NFL where you get in with certain systems and schemes, I would say running back, and you guys can correct me, is like the easiest of early on you can quickly see, like, can this guy translate? Yes,
2: for sure. You see it every single year. R- rookie running backs, they can just get the ball and go. If they've got good vision and they know where to run, it's how fast and strong and talented are you? Just go be fast and strong and talented. Um, so when I'm scouting rookie running backs here's the things that i personally look for more than others one i'm looking for their weight because as we're going to talk about a lot on this show that matters tremendously for uh running backs and sometimes we make things too hard on ourselves we're, we're trying to outsmart the system just do what works you know I, I'm, I'm i'm gonna read you the weights in a little bit of some of these uh running backs from this last year and you'll, you'll see a trend um I also care about when I'm watching, I want to see when they're in their opportunities one-on-one, right? They get a little bit of space, and not not, not when they're in the open field, but when they have an opportunity, mano-a-mano, mano, do they usually, and I mean almost always, break that tackle? Because if the college prospect isn't winning those one-on-ones, he's not going to come in and just dominate the NFL guys. But when I watch rookie running backs or college running backs, really, I like seeing them win almost every time in those one-on-one situations. Can they catch the ball? Because that translates for fantasy. And then total touchdowns in college. Because statistically, that is one of the bizarrely predictive stats. Those guys with a big touchdown share, they end up doing well in college. And for whatever reason, because they've got the news for the end zone or because the team says... Just they can smell it. <laughs> because the team says... This is the guy we rely on when we're when we're near there, or for whatever reason, breakaway speed. Those those stats translate.
0: So you like big boys that can uh, get in the end zone?
2: Yeah, and my my um, we'll call it uh, my my crush meter. I can't I can't handle running backs that are over two hundred fifteen pounds and fast. I get too hot and bothered. If they've got that speed score, that weight-adjusted speed score, and it's high, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm in.
0: All right, Mike, what about you? What do you look for?
4: So when when I'm – my rubric, I'll say, for when I'm grading out these running backs, so I lay it out in these categories. So I have power, vision, burst, speed. And, yes, burst and speed are different. Like, burst is can you get up? To can can you go from zero to sixty quickly, and then speed is your long speed, balance and catching, which I put a huge emphasis uh, one on catching, like Jason does. But contact balance, I want to see a player, which it, I guess it's it's sort of similar to Jason what he's saying. If it, in, in a one on one situation, is he going to win? But I want to see if a player gets hit as he's going through the line. What does his body look like? Does he remain with? Does he keep his feet underneath him? Does he keep moving forward? Is an arm tackle going to bring this player down? And like players, you know, the kind of the the gold standard would be for me. It was like Marshawn Lynch, Kareem Hunt. That's to me. That's why those guys were so good because their balance is just truly elite. Of it takes so much to knock them off of their center of gravity that they can keep moving forward with with no problem. So I go. When I'm watching the film, I grade out those categories from a 1 to 5, you know, it's all personal of what I see on the on the tape, and what I really like doing is if you want to nerd out, this is my process of you want to watch a full games of these players. Mm-hmm. What does it look like when the running back is getting the ball over and over on each and every one of their touches? But then I like to go and mix in highlight films cuz what does that player do when they are at their absolute best and making someone else look stupid that's that's a lot of the time where you see uh the speed like my my knock on Isaiah Spiller last year when I was watching his tapes and his highlights where he would he'd get through and someone would catch him i'm like that's that's not elite long speed if if you're getting caught from the back by a college player that's not going to translate into the pros for me so those are the types of things uh, that I'm looking for and that's how my process works
0: and just to put some numbers with it like I look for just simple things like explosive plays do how often do they go for runs of 15 plus yards sure uh to go with the contact balance yards after contact is one that we look at a lot it can be skewed because you know you hit somebody but we want that we want someone that can hit somebody and then keep going for yep. you know another 20 30 yards force miss tackles and we'll talk about a player who set the record this past year, according to Pro Football Focus in college, for missed tackles. And the last thing I'll say is their dominator rating is something we have in the Dynasty Pass that kind of shows, like, here's their percentage of yards, of team yards and touchdowns. That's a simple metric, but it's really helpful for us to see, do they hit that 30% mark? That's something we care about. So this first player, we're going to spend more than a minute on them because they're worth it, but I, I have to hit the drop. It's the B-Joy.
2: Um, well, to talk about Bijan and 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 trans uh, to to translate, no, that's the wrong word. What, what I am don't know one? where you're going. Transition. Man. There it is. Ah, yes. What a smooth transition. <laughs> Professional. Um, from what we were talking about, one of my unofficial things that I look for is when, when I talk about oh the one on ones or Mike, you talk about the contact balance. Unofficially, I say how many dudes does it take to tackle this running back? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that I want it to be a village. You know, when I watch these guys, there's some running backs where it's like like Najee in college was this way. It was like one guy is never, never going to take this guy down. He's just going to drag you a little while. And and that's kind of Bijan. Bijan takes a team to tackle him. He's going to like, uh, you know, stiff arm a guy and and break a tackle here. And and that's where, you know, you, you talk about uh you know yards after contact broken tackles forced those are Bijan's specialties
0: yeah he set PFF's record for that with 104 this past year he had 37% of Texas's team yards a 39% dominator rating like those are the things that we're saying like this is a elite player and i think our discussion on the main show and our discussion here is to remind people he just has one of the highest floors we could have for a prospect and mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing i think people want to hear what is his ceiling and that's kind of the conversation, but like having an insanely high floor, you comped him to Matt Forte of saying, "Hey, here's five to six years of being an RB one." Mm-hmm. That's really hard to find. I think people don't realize that.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I put in my black book. He is more Zeke than Barkley. He is a tough, you know, powerful guy that is not the same explosive athlete, but will will certainly gain extra yards. Every time he touches the ball,
4: he was interesting watching him because one of my notes: this is you know, this isn't NFL uh, translation stuff, but I said his upper body never looks like it's pumping. It's this straight. Watch Bijan run when he's you know hitting a long run, and his upper body is so calm compared to other guys who are just just throwing their fist into the air, and then for the pass catching, watch the Alabama game. There is a particular play where Bijan runs a wheel route, mm-hmm. catches, or jumps full like a a full one eighty in the air to catch the ball like a wide receiver lands and then is right back into full speed. You're like, holy freaking crap! This guy is going to destroy people in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and so uh, because this is the Dynasty Show, and we look a little bit deeper at some of these uh, things. The NFL, the general managers and their scouting departments, they know the histories of all these players. And those things factor in. When we get to the quarterback episode, we're going to talk about Bryce Young and the fact that he has been basically groomed from being a newborn baby to be a superstar NFL uh, quarterback. And this is what Bijan was. What you want, you you saw this with Trevor Lawrence a couple years ago. He's like the number one recruit in high school and then the best in college and then the number one pick in the draft that that's what Bijan is he was a five-star recruit out of good old arizona i can't believe he got out of tucson i know no, nothing you, gets out you of tucson. have
0: only said very bad things about tucson
2: well tucson is the armpit of the world
0: <laughs> i think you've used other words than yeah armpit.
2: it's it's the anus of arizona
4: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah
2: wow the nice thing is uh U of A has got a nice little campus right, right in the middle of that, but just don't, don't, um, don't walk outside that. Uh, he did get You're out of Tucson. Get some notes. I know <laughs> <laughs> he did get out of Tucson, but he was the number one running back rec- recruit in the class. And when that doesn't always translate, uh, Keishon Boutte was supposed to be the greatest, you know, wide receiver recruit coming in. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't, you know, stick with it. But when a guy is the number one recruit and then goes and becomes the number one guy as expected and now he's everyone's number one running back uh, on their big boards, he's going to keep doing it. He's he's met the expectations every level. It's not going to go away in the NFL.
0: And when you have draft capital that seems to be in the first round and it, and as high as 10 for some people, like... That's not happening. Yeah.
4: He's not going to the Eagles at 10.
0: I, I wouldn't bet that, but I'm not saying it's like out of the realm of possibility. He could
4: go to
2: Atlanta at 8. I mean, oh that's my favorite would spot. Would you be happy it, with that?
0: I would Kyle? be super happy. I think team building wise that would be dumb, but hey, it would be yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm okay. here for the fun. That I is
2: mean, I will say when when the NFL draft is happening, that is the pick that I am most hopeful for because it it cuts out any other bad landing spot and it gives him supreme uh draft capital. He is currently on average the 14.6th player taken on Major
0: uh, major media mock drafts. So, with first round draft capital, with the high flow we're talking about, let's say a year from now, okay, people took him at 101, and I'm assuming in Superflex, he's pretty much going to go 101, maybe 102. If you need quarterback, that's fine. A year from now, will we be saying Bijan is the 101 in startups?
4: Not the one. I wouldn't say the 101 yeah but he,
2: he'll be a first rounder in redraft for sure. he very well might be the 101 at the position. I think yeah all, he could be. So what's funny is he's got nowhere to go but down, and this is why if you have the 101, you should be looking at what options you can trade him for. Um, right now, I would say that most people's ranking after the NFL draft when when rookies start getting mixed in with veterans for startup drafts. I believe Bijan will be the number one rookie draft pick. I think he'll be ahead of Jonathan Taylor, ahead of Christian McCaffrey, ahead running of running back. You said yeah, rookie. Yes, yeah, sorry. Okay. the 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 number one running back in all of fantasy football.
0: I I, I think it's it's interesting because I have these questions. I'm seeing them on our Discord channel, and and people don't realize like there are very few running backs. You brought this up, but he's actually going to probably gain value from where he's going now to next year, or he's going to be even a more valuable asset that if you want to trade him a year or two from now, like Jason said, like three or four years, like you're going to be able to get a haul for him.
2: And remember when he signs that second contract and he's a great asset, trade
0: him away. All right. Next running back we're going to talk about is Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. And I need to give a shout out. He's from Dalton, Georgia, which is the carpet capital of Georgia, Northern carpet,
2: Like they, they produce
4: a lot of
0: carpet. It is the carpet place. Like if you're from Georgia, you know, Dalton,
4: but you okay? You, but you called it the carpet capital of Georgia. So yes. only
0: I don't Georgia
4: know. gets their carpet from there, or does it service like the whole Southeast?
0: I think it's a Southeast thing, but I cannot confirm or deny the rest of the country where they the carpet is. hate
4: hardwood floors. Yeah, what kind, of,
0: <laughs> what kind of fibers are we talking about over there? You know... These deep, deep? I, Lush? I, it, it's a big deal in Georgia. I'll yeah. just say that this 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 show is also geography in their bathrooms. I don't think
4: you were ready to talk about carpet. You just you thought you could throw that out on this podcast and get away with it. All I was place. ready
0: to talk about Dalton, Georgia, <laughs> and that's about it. But hey, you brought up Tucson. But yeah, we'll go through the geography here. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is interesting not just because of his size, which we'll talk about. He was a transfer from Georgia Tech. He's also been a kick returner. But when he transferred to Alabama, I think it needs to be said, like he jumped over their number one running back recruit and became the dude in college football's premier program. So that's a big deal to move on and be elite, have great production, especially in the passing game. 44 receptions is the second most ever for an Alabama running back. And in the office earlier, we were just naming every Alabama running back that they've translated they to churn the They them out. They, they do it. Four, three, six, 40 time is awesome, but we got to talk about the weight because he weighed in just under 200 pounds. If he just would have had lunch with us on a normal day, yeah, he would have gotten over the 200. I can show you the way,
2: <laughs> Jameer. Just come to my house for one day. You'll eat in a way that you go, oh, yeah, I can put on the pounds. And, um, you know, you've got some speed to lose. So uh, the weight is an issue. Let's talk about that now. Obviously, he didn't crack that 200 mark. You want players over 200 pounds, whether or not he's 199 or 200, it doesn't act. It puts him in a different tier of historical comps, but that's irrelevant. He's 200 pounds. Is that good enough for fantasy football? And I want to just read you the weight of the top 20, 20 running back uh, from from this last season, the top 20 running back finishers. Here's their weight, 233 pounds, 228 pounds, 215 pounds, 215, 211, 228, 232, 211, 220, 230, 210, 208, that's the lightest so far, Aaron Jones, pass catcher, 224, 210, 210, Two hundred and thirty-two, two hundred and twenty-seven, two hundred and forty-seven, two hundred and twenty. I beg you to stop, good sir. (laughs) Two hundred and five. That's Christian freaking McCaffrey, who's going to catch a hundred passes or a hundred targets, and then two hundred with Austin Eckler. This isn't. A trend. This is this is the real. Was that RB one and RB two? Yeah, yeah, they were. So, so if you are an absolute <laughs> so, excellent pass catching back of which like Jameer Gibbs, like, is caught the second most ever in Alabama. I would super take umbrage with um, comparing. So the high end comps, right? These pass catching lighter backs who have had massive success. The two names, I think, that come to most people's mind would be Christian McCaffrey and Jamal Charles. Unbelievably, Hall of Fame players, right? These are Hall of Fame running backs. If you look at what those guys did in college, Jamal Charles, that's the hope for Jameer Gibbs. Jamal Charles' final season, 258 carries for 1,629 yards, and then a lot of receiving work. He was a dominant player that is far different than Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey makes Jamal Charles numbers look dumb. And so I just caution people because right now I know Mike, you love Gibbs. I yes. love Gibbs on tape. What he's going to do on a per touch base is going to be awesome. But will the NFL give this guy two hundred carries? Just two hundred. Because he never got it in college. Yeah, so, it's it's difficult
4: First off, because the way that Alabama structures things like Josh Jacobs was a first-round pick, and the biggest knock on Josh Jacobs going into the draft was the production is not there. But you watch him play, and you go, that's the best running back of that year. And the NFL knew that. They took him in the first round. Well, the the Raiders took him in the first round. <laughs> but I don't think every team is willing to do that. Uh, and So guys who play for Alabama, number one, They succeed in the NFL. Kyle alluded to it, but that list is, you know, was Brian Robinson this past year, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, uh, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram. Like their their list of high draft capital turned successful NFL running backs turned successful fantasy running backs. Their list is absolutely redonkulous with their hit rate. So that's what that gives me some hope for Jameer Gibbs and the. He's not the same player as Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but that's like that's that's the dream of uh, when McCaffrey went into the draft, his his draft uh report, two oh two, five eleven, two hundred and two pounds. So it's it's not impossible, but the odds are against Jameer Gibbs and, and Christian McCaffrey was the eighth overall pick. Jameer oh, Gibbs man. is not going to be the
2: eighth overall pick. <laughs> I had forgotten. I just I just pulled up Christian McCaffrey's college. Uh yeah oh his production 337 yeah. carries 2,019 yards yes just on the ground another 45 for 645 receiving he was I mean that was one season that yeah. wasn't his
0: that wasn't his college he,
4: career
2: comping anyone to McCaffrey is a fool's
0: errand is,
4: is stupid because he is the outlier
0: yeah and I think the comp that people keep making is that Gibbs is Alvin Kamara he's a lot smaller yes he is he's a lot smaller 5'9", 199. But uh, Jason and I were talking about this earlier. The bucket of players under 200 pounds is not good when it comes to the NFL and when it comes to fantasy. But you know, let's say he gets to 205 because you know they put him on that Jason weight game plan, and and J- he hires Jason, mm-hmm. which would be great. I am available. It's just can his frame support more weight? Yeah, because he's is. only five nine,
2: and so there there's pros and cons. You're not five nine, right? I am. I am taller than Jameer Gibbs. And <laughs> you <it>. weigh more. <laughs> and I <I'm> weigh <way> more. <laughs> what a flex! Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the point is, at at five nine, you're not sure how much more weight he can can add to that frame. That being said, you know we we talked about recently with wide receivers. Wide receivers used to be, you know, you needed to be two hundred five pounds plus, and the NFL is changing. The NFL is getting faster, faster paced, faster players. Faster players mean faster defensive players, which means lighter defensive players. And you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. I, I don't want to paint a picture here where Gibbs is not going to be able to be successful. He's uh,
4: going to have second round draft capital, right? If like Flukey could be even in the back of the first. More more likely he'll be in the second. That puts him in, you know, a strong probability of hitting territory. For my rubric, you know, I have just a handful of guys that I gave him a five on catching. His was five with a note of he's elite. Like, his mm-hmm. path, he is so, so smooth. And the 200 carries, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he'll get there, but along with the, the changes of the NFL is we're – it's RBBC. Like, everything is a committee. There is just a small fraction and handful of, of guys who are true three-down backs – an even smaller amount of of NFL coaches who that's their preference. I mean, it's, we basically have like Mike Tomlin, like he's, he's our last remaining hero that will give us a true three down running back. So put him in a timeshare, you know, that's going to happen. But if you have the Aaron Jones skill set of the timeshare, you can still be fantastic for fantasy football. Yeah.
2: Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara. The reason these are common comps are because these aren't, super heavy guys. These aren't 225 pound guys. Aaron Jones, even lighter, you know, he's 209 or so. Um, but you look at Kamara's first few years in the league and he, the, this is, he finished as the running back three, four, 12 and one. And his total carries 120, 194, 171, 187. So that's what you're hoping. You're hoping he's a 175 carry, but gets a ton of targets because 100 targets, 105, 97, and 107 targets. You need him to go to a system that's going to pass the ball to him, um, and there are a handful of the teams out there, and you would presume that the one that drafts him, that's what they're wanting because they're going to have to spend a lot of draft capital to get him.
0: Yeah, and Kamara's the high end. If this best-case scenario he's utilized like this, You've been using C.J. Spiller. I threw out today Felix Jones, former first-round pick, <laughs> of that, because he was – Oh, man, Felix Jones. He was the counter punch where they weren't using him for 15-plus touches. Who was the underwear bandit?
2: Was that Felix Jones?
0: Kyle brought this up in the morning, and I was like, wait, was that the underwear bandit? Jo- Joseph Randall was the oh, okay, bandit. okay,
4: okay. He was just there at the same time. <laughs> that yeah. is a
0: great That is a great story, by the way, <laughs> that we can go into later. Uh,
4: or never, but just look at, look, uh, so it was who Joseph, Joseph Randall. Randall. Look up Joseph Randall and stolen underpants. I love that.
0: <laughs> I love that. That was where both of you went. Uh, before we move on to our next guy, uh, let's take a quick break. Hey
4: foot clan right now is a great moment to head over to ultimate draft
0: com. Yes. It's back for 2023 and it includes all of our tier based rankings, premium stat projections, video player profiles, the custom cheat sheets, everything you know and love from the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. If you get the big boy, the UDK Plus, you get the Dynasty Pass. You also get access to other perks, including the Draft Day Analyzer, where we look at your team and we tell you where you can improve everything you need to win at your draft. Head over to ultimatedraftkit.com. All right, we're back, and it's been that time that you guys Mm. have been waiting for. It's time to get sophisticated. You guys have opened up the bottle. Mm. Pop. (laughs) And I'm ready to break it because – Oh, get out of here. No, Zach Charbonnet, senior out of UCLA. He was a four-star recruit, but we have to talk about his story. He started off at Michigan, and that was a team that had Chris Evans, Hassan Haskins, two players that are in the NFL, so players that are NFL caliber. Then COVID hit, and things kind of got weird. He transferred to UCLA. The reason why I think you guys are hot and heavy is because the thing Jason talked about, he's big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His speed score is good enough. His breakout age is young enough and he can do it all. So I get that. Does the NFL see him the same way you do?
2: That's the big question. And, and we, we talk about how important draft capital is. And I think this is actually a good time to, to discuss. There are a lot of running backs. This year's draft class is deep. Um, There's 10 guys that I really, really like. There will not be 10 guys I like after the NFL draft. No freaking way. There aren't enough backfield situations for running backs to get the draft capital and an opportunity to be successful. Now, Charbonnet has been somewhat regularly mocked into the second round. He is almost certainly going to be a day two selection, meaning a second or third round pick, which should give him enough draft capital. Obviously, where he lands and whether he ends up uh, projecting for a massive timeshare or a massive workload will make a big difference. Your question as to whether or not the NFL believes he can handle that and they want to uh, give the reins to their offense, to uh, this rookie running back, that'll be three weeks from now, and that will make a huge difference. I believe an NFL team can do it. I believe he would be successful in that role. He looks hyper talented, extremely efficient, and
0: can do absolutely everything. Now, Mike, I had to remind you of your love for this player, yes. and I had to search through our DMs. But Zach Charbonnet is a guy that you've liked for a couple years, and is Jason trying to steal your man?
4: Um, a little bit, a little bit, but that that's okay because we we independently fell in love with Zach Charbonnet. I. I did it twice in two different years so perhaps you know that gives me a little bit of the edge.
2: Um real quick counter argument. Oh here. gosh. Um I would say that if you could fall in love twice because yes. you completely forgot about the man mm-hmm. that that was never love, that was lust. And you okay. don't deserve him. <laughs> Because I actually love the guy. The, my, when Mike says it's independent, it really is true. Like when we're scouting these players, we try not to talk yes. about these players to each other. We we work in the same literal office. We've got like a, a double wide office that the three of us uh, ballers work side by side in. And when we're scouting, we just go, uh, "Have you scouted this guy yet?" No. Okay. Uh, okay. Let okay. me know what you do. And and when that said, I don't know if that means. I know it means I either love this dude or I hate this dude. Yes. You know, but I don't know which cuz it's been both. And so we did independently really like this guy, but you nailed it, Kyle. It's because he's big. He he, he I think he cut down to 214. He looks like his playing weight will be in the 220s and the way he catches the ball. It reminds me a lot of James Conner. I've I've heard that comp elsewhere. That was my that was the first thing I thought of when I saw him, a big bodied back that can catch that's what that's what Fantasy Gold is made of. He's a strong, powerful runner. He doesn't always go after contact, but when he's put in the situations of moving a pile, he moves the pile. I had his
4: power at five.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a powerful back, so that means goal line. Wait a minute. Yes. Goal line plus pass catching plus a body that can handle a workload? That's what fantasy is all about at the running back position. We're not scouting who's the best player to take to win a Super Bowl. We're saying to win a fantasy championship, and to me, Charbonnet's my running back, too. So, Kyle, I'm going to throw to you because
4: I'm going to give – this is my my one concern with Zach Charbonnet. I don't know if this is because I was so personally victimized by this. A couple years ago, I fell in love with a – big-bodied running back who could do it all, had power, had enough speed, tremendous pass catcher. His production profile was off the charts, and that was Mr. Royce Freeman, whose coach was Chip Kelly. And Chip Kelly is Zach Charbonnet's coach, has been his coach the past two years. So is is Charbonnet's production inflated because of the – Chip Kelly system, which we know is... Chip Kelly puts up mad numbers. that He gets his guys their statistics. Where are you actually on Charbonnet?
0: So I'll say this about Chip Kelly. I actually mentioned this comment to Jason this morning, that it's a different version of Chip Kelly and it's a different offense than what he used to run way back in the day at Oregon. So I think UCLA is actually like a pro-ready program for running backs. And, you know, Joshua Kelly, you can say whatever, but like, was drafted in the NFL, same thing from UCLA. I think that it matters what is the scheme fit of how the, how people in the NFL, so this is different than fantasy, but how does the NFL view this player? He could drop to the end of the third round. like He could drop to day three. I think it wouldn't shock me. I think he, in my mind, for fantasy, he's more of a day two pick, but he has everything we want. He has the, the weight. He's a bit older. I just need to mention that. A little bit older, but he's still fine. Um, in my notes, I wrote, he builds up speed And then uh, in my very precise notes, it says, it's very DK or Bowser from Mario Kart. Yes. He's a heavyweight. Yes, it is.
4: He doesn't have burst.
0: Yes. And it depends on what kind of scheme. Is it a zone-blocking scheme where you can take advantage of this? Like Tennessee. Tennessee could roll with this guy. If he went to Tennessee, Jason, how would you feel about Zach Charmai?
2: I would be thrilled. You have to know that you're taking a hiatus and you know that you're taking a sacrificial pick because that would be Derrick Henry's team. But if you drafted Derrick Henry when it was Demarco Murray's team, you you ended up very happy with that pick. Unfortunately, you would it would it would lower him um, depending on where other guys go because you because you are going to miss a good rookie season. But for that coaching scheme that wants to have a dude that can do it all, uh, I, I would love the destination long term.
0: Yeah, and w- one more. I, f- I saw this on our Discord channel. Just a shout out to our Discord Dynasty channel. But they said, what if he went to Charbonnet? went to the Chargers or Cincinnati, which I know were two of your favorite spots for Uh, Bijan. Yeah,
2: those would be literally my number one and number two favorite destinations for Charbonnet. When I was thinking, you have different destinations for different player types. But I was like, what spots would I want Charbonnet to go to? And then I realized it's the exact same (laughs) order as my Bijan because they're two well-rounded players who do actually project to be a bell cow running back in the NFL. And I th- the reason that I like Charbonnet so much is because I think that's the end of the list. As far as guys that could project to be a true three-down bell cow back in the NFL, it's those two, and then and then guys.
0: Would he would he jump above Gibbs in your mind? I know he's two he's for you right now. Yeah. W- would you take him, let's say, in a one quarterback league, he goes to one of those two spots. Would you consider taking him at the 102?
2: I, I, I would consider it but right now jsn is is locked into my 102 okay. in a single quarterback league
0: okay that's where i'm at i think he just has a range charbonnet has a range of player we love could go top three rookie pick depending on landing spot to i mean 10109 he, he could absolutely tumble
2: he could tumble to me all the all the nice pejoratives that uh you know <laughs> that's ironic that's uh all the nice uh adjectives being used i would happily change my tune after the NFL draft if he falls.
0: All right, we're going to go through some other running backs. These are the ones we didn't mention, but I think you and I, we all have some steam on them. Kendry Miller. Yes. Out of TCU. Mike, I think your comment to me is, what am I missing? Because the dynasty community seems to be a lot lower. Even when you look at draft boards, he might be a little bit lower, but his production profile is great. He's not even 21 yet, so he's pretty, pretty young. He didn't participate in the combine, but... You know he was a productive bat. he beat out Zach Evans, who was the number two recruit in the nation, and kind of got him out the door. so Kendry Miller, there's a lot to like. I wish he caught more passes, sure, but I think there's there's some things here to look at in dynasty
4: yeah when when I started the scouting process, you know it was January, February, or whatever, and so. And like we've said on, on the main footballer show, this is when we're really getting introduced to the rookies because we're so consumed with the NFL that there's people who are deep in college and they know all these players. Well, we're just getting introduced to them so that we could be prepared for our dynasty drafts. And I'm watching Kendra Miller and like uh, a lot of times I'll just put, you know, a single comment or even in, in a emoticon and my... At motocon that I use for Kendrick Mill, I put the kiss lips. Because I'm like, this just mwah. This is this guy is fantastic. He's he's big. He is crazy fast. He doesn't have the catching profile that we want. But I said once he's gone, he is gone. He is shifty with power. We're not sure on the catching. He it could be like he could be fine. He just wasn't utilized like that way. we uh, you know, that was kind of the the talk of Kenneth Walker last year coming into the draft of well, he doesn't have pass catching. They just they they didn't use him that way. They they let him go on the ground. It wasn't that he was a bad pass catcher. So there, those are things that you have to kind of investigate. It is usually a red flag when people don't have pass catching in their production profile going into the pros. But you can investigate it. And I'm you know I'm looking around at at colleagues and friends in the dynasty space. And this and Kendrys Miller at that time at least was buried. And that's why I went to colleague. Like, what do I not know about this player because he looks like a guy who can immediately step in and be a big-time fantasy contributor.
2: He checks a lot of the boxes that I look for. We, we talked about what those boxes are. Let me list some of my notes from my black book. First of all, he's you know a 215-pound back, yep. so very nice. important metric. That's great. Uh, very good balance, runs with power. I have, um, it says, rarely loses one-on-one. Takes a few to bring him down. That's what I want to see in college to translate. Not many catches, but saw good hands. I said I really like him, but I questioned the top end speed and pass catching. The worry I have and why he's down my ranks a little bit is projection of draft capital. Because he was injured later, did not participate in the combine. I worry about whether or not he gets the draft capital. If he were to get it. I would love I I really do like the prospect. There wasn't much on film that I didn't like. And you brought up the fact Kyle like like Zach Evans, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, was the biggest recruit TCU has ever had in their in the history of their program. It was a huge deal. And then basically he beat him out and and he transferred. Zach Evans had to transfer out, and then Kendra Miller dominated. I talk about the stickiness of rushing touchdowns for running backs translating 17 rushing touchdowns and this was a good team i mean they they went to the national championship game so I, I i really like kendra miller i just don't i'm not convinced he gets the draft
0: capital yeah when you compare style uh and draft capital if he was a day two pick let's say he somehow gets up in in third round like you could see him as a miles sanders like never going to be i don't think he's ever going to be a guy with 20 plus touches but miles sanders uh On the low end, you mentioned Isaiah Spiller was one of the guys that showed up for me. Really?
4: Spiller's too slow for Miller.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. I think Miller doesn't have the top-end speed. He's not as elusive as you would think. I mean, great numbers in the Big 12. I think that can be a little bit inflated in that conference, but yeah, the speed is
2: questionable. I, I, is I, get, I, I, he was so fast to me. I get so I wrote down in my notes doesn't look fast, but I've seen him pull away from guys. <laughs> so kind of like that uh, Arian Foster situation where it's like, sure. why, why aren't guys catching him? Because he doesn't look fast, <laughs> but he is fast. But that also does actually remind me of Isaiah Spiller because the, I kind of I kind of saw some of that where it was like, um you know, he he would still get caught. A lot of chunk plays, but not huge, giant breakaways.
0: And I know there's some recency bias for this is what we thought Spiller would be and this is what he is in Dynasty now. So that's kind of the low end. Speaking of speed, let's talk about Devon A chain and what do we do with him because oh, you can go all over the map uh a player that's five eight barely one eighty eight but ran a four three two and was super productive in the SEC. So he's a player that the NFL might like more than how it translates to fantasy because I'm seeing mocks that he could go as high as the second round because teams want to change a pace back and he's never going to be a dude that's going to get more than what 12 touches in a game,
2: yeah. That's his that's his I mean, not his like career high, but his max average.
0: And so, you look at that and go, Is that going to help us for fantasy? But an NFL team is going to look at this player and say, Ooh, like. The other part of the scouting process is looking at offensive coordinators and GMs and going, I want a toy to play with, and this is a player that they can use their really fun schemes with. But, yes, he led the NCAA in yards per carry in 2021. He was first-team all-SEC. He has sprinter speed. He returned kicks. But with that size, like the only comp that we can give – say the re- Reading through the high-end
4: to the low-end comps, like hit the hit, do it Kyle read those
0: the high end is Darren Sproles which is he's an anomaly he doesn't yes. really count the medium I have on here is Tariq Cohen who had a brief stint he had a good yeah. year he had like a one PPR year and then out of the league Chris Rainey do you remember him running back for the Buccaneers who's super yeah. fast and then the low end is players that were productive in college but they were gadget players in the NFL Dimitri Felton right now is with the Browns LaMichael James was like a famous player from Didn't Oregon. Did he
4: like lead the he, league he, back, or the, the NCAA? Yeah. LeMichael
0: James was like a Heisman candidate, Heisman finalist, went to the 49ers and then was just quickly out of the league. So there are players on this range of outcomes that are wild. So how do you guys feel?
4: I just, he is so fascinating of, and like, he was kind of the player that uh, when I was talking to Kyle about Kendra Miller of what a what is going on here of people love a chain and they're fading Kendra Miller. And I, when I scouted them, I had the complete opposite ideas and and takes about them of a chain is just, he's, he's too small. It's not, it's not going to work in the NFL. And, you know, like LaMichael James was one of the guys that immediately came to mind. And then, you know, same school. I had hey, checked this out. Hey, how about a running back who, uh, had 270 carries for over 1,700 rushing yards, 18 rushing touchdowns, caught 27 passes for almost 300 receiving yards. Uh, That was Travion Williams, who has gone into the NFL and done nothing. Uh, Just absolutely nothing because he was a little bit undersized. And he's way bigger than Devon A. Chain. I I, I don't see a world where he is a difference maker for fantasy football, but I easily see him becoming a trap because I, I can see the NFL taking him in the second round, and you go – It's going to be hard. You're like, yes. look at all the numbers. Look, because of second-round pick, the the probability of that player hitting is so much higher than someone even in the third round, and you're it's going to be this siren call. And I think that right now, you know, opinions can change once I get new information, of course, because there could be the perfect – situation and depth chart for a chain but right now i think that siren's going to pull your ship right into the rocks and it's going to be a wasted pick
2: a second round pick could happen for him and would be so difficult to know what to do with can he be a mold breaker is he someone that is right. good enough when i look at my notes it's it's just the same thing back and forth my first note Teensy tinesy. Then very fast at top speed. Literally, it just goes back and forth between very fast and open field, just so small. In the end, I wrote, The more I watch, the more I'm impressed. Dot dot dot. But I can't see a 185 pound back being good. It's a little bit sucky, but this is where we talk about not overcomplicating things that work and don't work in fantasy football. If the guy touches the ball ten times a game. Will he have an occasional game that is very good because he breaks off a long run? Absolutely. Do you want, just think about a redraft league, okay? Forget dynasty. Do you want to start or draft a guy week in, week out who's getting 10 touches a game? No. The consistency is not going to be there. And if that's what he projects for a career, even if he's very valuable for an NFL team, it's probably not going to work out. But this is where, I call him Gibbs light because one, he's a lighter version. But it's like, nice. He was four three two versus four three six from Gibbs. He was faster. He was actually more productive on the ground as a runner than Gibbs was. He's got a lot of what Gibbs has, and we're like locked into Gibbs being this—you know—the running back two. And Devon A-Chain's ten pounds lighter, and he's dead. And 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 I—we've laid out the case. I don't I don't blame us for having those thoughts because more than likely he's not going to be productive enough to be a week in week out fantasy starter. If he goes in the second round. I will step on the trap. Will you? I will. And I I, 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 I not st- Stepping on the trap sounds like my foot is getting caught. I am going for the cheese.
0: Okay. Well done. Because okay. I th- okay. Think I. You can, can get beat it. it. <laughs> I think I <laughs> oh can get it. That's my much... neck
2: might be snapped in the mousetrap, but that cheese, I,
4: I'm gonna be the one. Here are my numbers. Uh, I'm gonna run through all of them for A chain. Power one, vision. I had them at a two and a half. Burst four and a half, and speed at five balance two catching four and my note was he's small and he plays small so i just that i gotta at this point for a player like a chain and once you see the draft capital yours you will have to i wouldn't sit on the fence just make your call either be in like jason is saying of i'm i'll put my hand in the mousetrap maybe i get the cheese or just be out and I'm saying that because you don't want to go into your rookie draft and have pick 107 or whatever, and then all of a sudden A chain's there, and you're like, oh, I don't, and then just spend multiple hours contemplating, know if you're in or know if you're out.
0: There, this reminds me of James Cook last year. At the mm-hmm. end of the second yeah. round, was a player that plays really fast, not very big, and would and you the be mouse mousetrap ha- got us? If you got James Cook, he was going around 110, 111. Would you be happy with him right now?
2: No. Right now, I think you'd be disappointed. There were probably better options, and you're still hopeful, right? Maybe he'll be the guy this year. When I was leaving the office yesterday, we were just doing, I was doing an underdog draft, and I, I posed the question to Mike. This had nothing to do with the Dynasty show or anything. I just said, who would you take this year, Damian Harris or James Cook? And we both leaned on the Damian Harris side, yep. so that answers the question as to whether or not you're happy with James Cook. Can he get the ball 15 times? I hope so, but it hasn't happened yet and
4: probably won't. Yeah. All
0: right. Next one is Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. Yes. Sean Tucker is a fun player. Let's go. On a lot of different levels. He was lightly recruited. All right. He was a track athlete in high school, but lightly recruited. He was RB 58 in his own recruiting class, but he's been a production monster since he's been at Syracuse. Little shorter than we want, 5'9, but he reminds me a lot of somebody who can be a Austin Eckler type athlete. That's probably way too high to shoot. Uh, my comp that I gave Jason this morning is at the high end, he could be an Aaron Jones player because he runs really tough despite being short or an NFL team could look at him and say, he's Shane Vereen. He's a really good pass catcher. He's never going to get 15 plus touches. And he might have, you know, two to three really relevant seasons for fantasy, but there's a lot like his breakout age is amazing. He didn't participate in the combine, but the numbers we've gotten have been pretty impressive. Like a like below four four is what he says and what we look at.
4: I mean, that's that was like just him and his people, though. Probably. Yeah, that, that wasn't even the pro. day. It wasn't day. a
2: pro day. He didn't he didn't do Syracuse's pro day. Um, yeah, it, that's what I was t- talking to Kyle. I, I really want to. I ran a four three eight
4: yesterday, guys. yes yeah. oh, nice. I went four
2: two two. <laughs> um I really wish that it was it was a pro day where yeah. the other teams are there, they could see it, they can witness it, they can track it, they could time it. So I can't I just throw it out, but if he actually was sub four four I mean, he's he he is a track athlete. He's a track athlete, he's over two hundred and five pounds. There's a lot to like. He catches the ball. Uh he's probably been the most difficult guy that I've had because when I look at my notes, I I didn't have anything I loved, and I didn't have anything I hated. He was – I mean, just – he runs good routes. He can catch the ball. He can he got – he's got enough speed on some breakaway runs. There's plenty to like, and he's well-rounded. But I didn't see anything special enough to make me believe he could be a star for fantasy. Could he be good? Could he be an average, You know, you know, an RB2 that is – has value in fantasy absolutely i just wanted to see something special and i didn't see special qualities or traits i just saw quality traits in this guy
4: yeah my note on him is incredibly well rounded his the scores i gave him everything is a four or higher except for power which makes sense because he is a little bit smaller these running backs know that we are we're talking about these are the guys who are probably going on day three Zach Evans, or I'm sorry, Sean Tucker, it would it would be surprising if he got drafted in the third. I'd be ecstatic because I think he's a great player, and that gives him a more clear path to to being in a usable fantasy football. But more than likely the way that the NFL is handling things now of devaluing the running back, most GMs have caught up to this. I can get a great running back in the fifth round. So he'd probably be in the day three. So this is where like your personal scouting on these guys matters far more because you can't just rely on the draft capital argument of, you know, uh, Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, Kendra Miller. These guys are all like, what if they all end up in the fifth round? So that's where you need to know. Of You you need to have some other things that you lean on. But Sean Tucker, to me, uh, I had him at a five for catching. So a, a guy that I'm not exactly sure where his draft capital will be, he has that ability to me, and he's just he's so fast that I'm excited to draft Sean Tucker probably in like the second round of your rookie picks.
0: Yeah, I'm, I look at the production, you know, in 2021, he averaged 146 total yards per game. That's insane. He had a 39% dominator, like the things we want. And yet I agree. It's probably a day three pick. My it's not a comp stylistically, but like, what if he has a landing spot much like Damian Pierce where it's like, okay, well, there's nobody else, right? He's a rookie who can compete. I think that that could be the story for him where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a good landing spot. We don't know if he's the guy, but maybe he can kind of slowly grow into that um, over time. But I'd be
4: more aggressive then. You'd be uh, more I, aggressive? I would because I because I like the player so much that if the landing spot was a Tyler Algier or a Damian Pierce where you could see in a pretty easy path forward. Maybe there's a vet there, but it's an older vet, and they're going to be going to younger young legs sooner than later. I would be more aggressive drafting him. Yeah,
2: good example. If he went to Atlanta, where it's him and Tyler Algier, I think as a prospect, Sean Tucker is better. And I I believe Sean Tucker would end up, you know, having the uh, primary, you know, split there.
0: All right, next one we're going to talk about is Izzy (laughs) Abanacanda. Abanacanda don't want none. You can't hang. bun, huh?
2: Oh, yes, you got it, Mike. Oh, now
4: I was thinking about it because we we, that kind of came out on the show yesterday. But Jason's been doing this around the office for months (laughs) now, uh, and it's delightful. It's it's a fun thing. I I get in on this, but do we just call him the Anaconda? Like, is oh, I like that. Does that happen? The Anaconda. Yeah, Anaconda. Yeah, let's. Um, okay, I'm official? just official. Uh, we we can try it on for size
0: and see how it works. Do we have to use movie references from Anaconda? No.
4: Oh, I need to oh, go watch man. that again. I don't, I don't. Movie. Let's see the the references I know from that movie. J Lo's
0: in the movie. Uh-huh. Is LO Cool J right?
4: Is he? Yeah, I think so. Uh, John Voight's in there. And the the only thing I the scene I remember is when they're using the uh, the 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 scuba tank, and then the bug goes in the guy's mouth. And so they have to give him, like, an emergency tracheotomy. That's the, all I remember from
2: that movie. I think it's... Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is the one thing. Um, Ice Cube, though.
0: Okay, right? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Apologies to Ice Cube and his entire family. Yeah. Um, so, Abanacanda out of Pittsburgh. Um, he's interesting yes, for yes. a couple of reasons. One, out of high school. He was a track athlete. He was actually... The Gatorade New York Player of the Year, which was fun to fun to go through that little <laughs> rabbit hole.
4: What does that even mean?
0: It was a big deal in New York, which I don't know what New York high school football is like, but a lot of Gatorade, though. A ton. He got it. That's where he got his NIL deal. So much Gatorade. But he's a player where we didn't see him at the Combine. We have some unofficial times which are interesting. He has the size. And he's really fun. he was productive. Like he had 20 rushing touchdowns. So what you're talking about, Jason? He checks a lot of boxes. I
2: freaking love this dude. I, yeah. I mean, I I really do. The, the The issue I have is that he does not currently in 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 uh draft circles project to have high draft capital. I could see a team surprising and reaching on him just based on my belief in scouting him. He had 239 carries for 1,431 yards, 20 rushing touch, touchdowns the year prior. Caught 24 passes. He is the youngest running back in this class. He is a baby boy. I do not believe he can drink yet. He is a... Th- <laughs> yeah! <laughs> um, So you've got a very, very young player. Who is has the talent, has the breakaway speed, has chunk play after chunk play, has the stats that translate in the rushing, has the weight at 216 pounds. There's just a lot to love here
0: for me on the boxes I care the most about. I will say my favorite comp that I've given out in this entire process, I felt really good about it, is at the high end, I think you'd be Lamar Miller, who had a great. brief moment in the sun who had some huge breakaway runs when he was with Miami. Then he went to Houston. But him, Tevin Coleman, and then on the low end, it was a player like Kenneth Dixon, who had some traits we liked. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. What could have been? And it just didn't work out. And, and,
2: and to be fair, I think it is more likely he ends up Kenneth Dixon. Right. Um, th- this is a player, though, that when we're pre-NFL draft, we're saying, I really, really like this player on film. If he surprises with draft capital, I will be fully in on him because it means that the team that drafts him agrees with what I'm seeing and that's happened before and then there's times where you really like a guy and it doesn't happen and you've got to let that go you got to just wash your hands of it and say look it, it didn't yep. it didn't happen what was the what was that running back
4: uh no I've no uh Barnes yes. Alex Barnes yes, I Alex thought you Barnes. were gonna
0: bring him up earlier when you said you fell in love with oh. the player and he did all this stuff, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, Alex Barnes." Yeah, oh, Mike's not going there. When okay. he falls
2: in the NFL draft, and he doesn't get draft capital, and the NFL is saying we don't believe in this guy, then guess what? You shouldn't either.
4: Right. My quick, my one-word note for uh, the Anaconda, a uh, bandicanda, was sure. <laughs> uh, I don't like him as much as Jason, but he is fast and he's decisive. I do like that. But I have a note here of he didn't break the arm tackles against his legs, like I want to see and so what that I'm saying of you know if a defender just is diving and reaching out and swipes at the legs more often than not he was getting knocked down and to me that that doesn't get it done uh his catching is is okay so I, i'm not as hot and bothered by uh by candidate like jason is but i do i see it so i'm i'm not like i'm not opposed to changing my opinion on him
0: we have a couple more running backs and people don't realize like we get to go wherever we want to go here. It's mm, yeah. dynasty. You know, it's, we can get crazy. We can go longer. This we, is a, wow. We're, we've
4: already gone for a very long yeah.
0: time. <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, and this is how I know Jason, you are actually practicing what you're preaching because this is a running back that you like much more than maybe us. Mm-hmm. And he's further down in the ranks. But like you said, there's probably seven or eight guys that you all have in the same tier. So I'm ready to talk about tank Bigsby. Just for those at home, his first name is actually Cartavius. Oh yes, I had to look that up. From uh, That's a good name too. From Hogansville, Georgia, no big deal, Troop County. Uh,
4: now, is that like that where they do the drapes?
0: They do not do that. No, the, oh. no.
2: you're talking about the AA Georgia Player of the Year, don't, four-star recruit. Did
4: don't, he? Win, don't take
0: my note. Did he win any
2: Gatorade awards though?
0: Where Where did he win that award from, Jason? Based on the notes, what does it say?
2: Uh, the AJC.
0: that's the Atlanta that's Atlanta's paper Atlanta Journal Constitution Um, that's that's what I was saying sorry Uh. Uh,
2: yeah so (laughs) so I have him listed right now as my running back four. I want to talk about that for one quick second because the way that I see this draft class is three guys at the top and then from four to ten I am telling you, I find almost no difference in them. I could put them in a ping pong ball machine, you know, the, pull them out at random. I have switched the order. I see every single one of these guys as my RB6. Like, if, if they're ranked 4 through 10 for me, they're my RB6, and I'm waiting for the NFL draft. But I had to put Tank Bigsby here because, again, he's got the weight and the pass catching. He played in the SEC. Your favorite school yeah I, I know i know i do i do worry man the the That's auburn the... is it the colors is it the colors that got me with uh carry on johnson who still would have been good if he and just they didn't did get injured? they
4: did uh he he got a, a good amount of wildcat snaps too right I know,
2: every time he got a wild, every time he got a wildcat snap. i'm not joking mike i was like Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. i was so upset by it because they did that with carry on johnson a ton and um you know that that trap was laid uh, he's because he is a bigger-bodied back who catches the ball, played in a good division. I believe that he will actually have better draft capital than some of these other guys. I like uh, the the potential of a Bandiconda more than Bigsby, but I don't believe that that is as likely an outcome. I think that it is likely that a team invests in Tank Bigsby and you know makes him uh, into into an opportunity and into a role that is valuable for fantasy. To me,
4: uh, uh, he he was an okay prospect. My note here, though, is I saw a lot of lateral shuffling and trying to make moves, as in you know, a dan- having a dance party out there trying to uh, avoid tackles. Maybe that works in the NFL, maybe not. Probably not. Like you you can't just you can't get away with the same dancing in the pros that you can do in NCAA. Good speed didn't overwhelm me with his with his power. So he's he's lower on my board than than Jason has him.
0: Yeah, in my notes, bounces outside more than I wanted him to, which is kind of what your your point. He was good earlier on as a true freshman, but I'll just say this about Auburn for context. like They were really bad this year. They changed their head coach. So I think if he would have come out and had a bigger year, uh, we'd be talking about him more. But I, I agree, Jason. His draft capital, Like it wouldn't surprise me if he was a late day two, early day three pick ahead of some of those other guys that we talked about He looks like an NFL running back. That was another one of my notes. He looks
2: like an NFL running back. And like I said, NFL GMs, they know how these guys are coming from eighth freaking grade. And this was the number four recruit in that draft class. Um, He was highly touted coming in, was productive and efficient on a per-touch basis in the SEC, has the size. So that's why I think he'll be drafted well.
0: And this is the running back, Zach Evans. That was, Jason mentioned it, TCU's highest recruit ever. He was ahead of Tanks Bigsby. He was going to sign with Georgia. He went to TCU and things changed. The coach got fired, so then he went to Old Miss. Zach Evans is probably the most polarizing, depending on who I talk to. Sure. They look at him and say, okay, well, he's got a lot of stuff that I like. His size is fine. But the bigger question is, why did he lose out to Kendry Miller? Why did he. You know, there's not monster production here. What is happening with him? It's not the only
4: person he lost
2: to. No, it's not. Because he transferred to Ole Miss and then did not lead them in carries. What You you talk about the most polarizing. You look at, um, is, is it mock draft, draft database? NFL mock draft database. Okay, com, so, yeah. so that's where, on average, he is the 114th ranked player on the big boards. Uh, but his peak is number seven. Overall, some people really believe in him. I don't blame them for it. When you watch him run, as it, he is so efficient, so fast, he's upright, but he is speedy. He just has chunk play after chunk play. You look at his yards per attempt over his career as a freshman, seven point seven, then seven and six and a half last year in the SEC. When he touched the ball as a running back, he was. So good. And if he went to a team like the Dolphins where you're going to do the same kind of system where it's like use the speed and just you're not going to pass it to him that much, but he's going to get a 75-yard breakaway touchdown run, I'm going to be in on Zach Evans. But there was plenty that I didn't like. The fact that he couldn't beat out anyone on any team to get the lion's share of volume is very concerning. He's not a good pass catcher. Caught 12 balls, but I saw some – he doesn't get his head around fast. I saw a couple drops. I, I I think he's a poor pass catcher. There are some guys that don't catch the ball, and you go, the few opportunities I saw where he did look smooth. That wasn't the case with Zach Evans. So that's a that's a pretty big miss. And then he weighed much less than I thought. I thought he was going to come in nearer to 210, what, what 215. What was his official weigh-in? 202. 202.
0: Okay. I, I think he was comped earlier on as a big back, like – one of the comps I saw out there was Chris Carson, who is not that. He is Chris a monster. Carson's a
4: sturdy fella.
0: My my favorite comps I've seen for him stylistically are Jay Ajayi, which shout out to Brooks because he's Jay Ajayi for life. If he,
4: if he had a better knee.
0: And then uh <clears throat> Trey Sermon would be the other one that uh <laughs> I like hey, the Buck Allen mean,
4: comp. Third round pick, Trey Sermon.
0: <laughs> yeah, Buck Allen was another one who was like physical runner. Oh man. And had a fine like little moment in the sun as like a backup running back. Yeah. So Zach Evans is one of those players that, in my notes, vision isn't great and can be game scripted out. That's not somebody I want for fantasy.
2: He has surprising power. He looked skinny to me, but he drove piles, hits the hole fast, Uh, certainly strong for his frame, very explosive, talented runner. But I don't know if, I mean, the same way that the big boards are all over the place with him, if you told me that he was the third running back drafted i would believe it if and if you told me he was a seventh rounder i'd be like okay the nfl's out so i'm i'm really uh curious where he's gonna land
4: i put down the emoticon i, d- I don't know the name of it where but it's it's the face uh where the mouth is just a straight line mm-hmm. where it's just kind of like hmm because i i didn't get it I, i didn't get it when i was watching him i didn't understand why the dynasty community at large was so excited i mean He's fast. He's so I understand that part of it, but this looks like a this look like he looks like a gadget player.
2: Sometimes the hype from high school carries all the way through and I think some of that is is this. He was the number 2 recruit in the nation and he's been good on a per touch basis, so you just say some some scouts are just going to
0: keep with what they saw from birth
2: and not adapt but i would be curious if i'm a scout i'd be going to these teams saying why didn't you give him the ball more
0: the isaiah spiller effect that he isaiah spiller has been a player that people talked about from high school on was supposed to be good dynasty community before last year said he's going to be the the two, two or three back in that class and then dropped all the way so i agree his draft capital matters let's talk about one more running back because mike begged me yes that we had to talk about dwayne mcbride or as yeah baby i've been calling him dwayne mickey b so okay okay i kind of like him um He's a fun player who does not know how to catch football or at least maybe let me clarify was never asked to catch football yeah, five I, receptions
4: I I didn't even put a number to rate his catching <laughs> I just put a question mark <laughs> not it, applicable uh because it wasn't there but his he, and he he's a, he's a very interesting player because he went Alabama Birmingham so this is not it this is not an elite
0: the Blazers
4: <laughs> they're the Blazers yeah and it's the the dragon, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so we don't have that. We don't have a power five you know, pedigree here, uh, and he doesn't have true long speed, but what he does have is this is a tough SOB, and his balance, he's one of the guys that made it up to a five for me because arm tackles do not get it done against Dwayne McBride with the side note of perhaps it's just, the competition that he's up against, because that does factor in that he like he's not doing these things in the SEC. Like he's he's not at Alabama breaking all these arm tackles, but he, he just his contact balance was so elite, very Kareem Hunt esque. Of you're you're not knocking this guy over, even when you stop him and you run him out of bounds on a big hit. It's he stays on his feet. He's just now out of bounds he's not on his butt. He he so he always has his feet underneath him and he was he looks to me like if he number 1 if he gets drafted uh he looks like he's going to be that like a a Chris Carson type of a journey where it's going to be really late in the draft maybe an opportunity comes knocking but if it does I think he excels and takes the job.
2: He's got a lot of James Robinson to me. Sure. Ton of contact balance, really savvy runner might go undrafted yeah it's um, possible his lack of competition uh <laughs> let me let me read you some of his um yards per carry in game in his game log 8. 7 7.4 <laughs> 5.7 17 17 yards per carry <laughs> yeah, but there's one here 2.6 uh-oh and that was the one game he played against LSU in the SEC, yes. where he was 13 for 34 and completely bottled up. So I am scared about whether or not what he can do in weaker competition could translate all the way up to the NFL. That's why I think he will possibly go undrafted. But his production and size say pay attention.
4: It's, it's harder when you look at those numbers. What That's startling, and that sucks to see those numbers. But you do need to look at the whole picture of, Smaller school. That means that the offensive linemen that he is running behind are up against the monsters of LSU. Yeah. So there's only so much that one running back can do on their own.
0: Yeah. Since 2014, he has only Travis ETN has a higher yards after contact per attempt. So like the numbers bear witness to what you're seeing on film. He'll be interesting in our post combine mock draft. Like if he gets in, you know, the day three draft capital fourth fifth round, like I, I'm interested But, man, five total receptions in college um, is is frightening. (laughs) That's something. That's really, really low. But if you want to see all of our production profiles, you can get that in the Dynasty Pass. But we have one more segment here. Take it or leave it. So we thought at the end of this Dynasty show, we're just going to give one thought. And people in Dynasty you can get a lot of different opinions. This is us saying, here's for our personal teams. Here's one player that you can pick up. So this week we're going to do a segment and we're going to call it the nasty boy of the week. And let me, let me
4: love nasty boys. Let me
0: preface what I mean by nasty. I, I, this is somebody at the end of your bench that you're just shuffling through right now before the NFL draft. That's probably out on waiver wire, kind of on the fringe. So this is going to be a quick parting shot, but Hey, just go for it. So Mike, who you got?
4: It's uh he got mentioned on the main ballers podcast a few weeks ago as Deontay Hardy, uh formerly of the New Orleans Saints, now on the Buffalo Bills. When he has been on the field, he has been absolutely electric. His yards per route run, his targets per route run are truly like truly elite. I had mentioned uh a few years ago. He was going to be he was on my radar firmly as a very interesting sleeper, and then the team spent all of their draft picks to move up and get Chris Olave and they brought Jarvis Landry in. So the opportunity wasn't great and then he was super duper hurt last year. So we didn't get to see what he could do against that competition, but gets a gets a, a contract from the Bills that is it's not nothing. It's not going to be it's not going to blow you away with the money, but they invested in him and watching Gabe Davis now for multiple years the Bills can say that they're they're locked in with him in his, as the wide receiver, too, but I don't know that it is. And if you have a deep – even if he's just a deep place specialist for Josh Allen, that could turn into five to six, uh, like 60-yard touchdown bombs throughout the year.
0: And I have to hit the drop again for this because, mm-hmm. Jason
2: – Yeah, it's nasty.
0: <laughs> you have come full circle here, my friend.
2: I, You're back, baby. I apologize to everyone, but Trey Sermon is someone that should be – picked up he was probably highly drafted and then dropped and then now can be picked up he is one Rashad Penny away from being the starter uh, at running back for the Philadelphia Eagles they kept him on the roster all last year even though he was behind guys knowing their situation this year I like picking up players where if things change I can drop them right they, they go they draft Bijan at 10 get rid of them they you know they they draft Gibbs get rid of them um, but he's on waivers, and he
0: is he's not far away from a big opportunity on a good offense. I'm going to take a shot here, a Peyton Hendershot tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's see
2: what you did there.
0: There you go.
4: I liked it, and I've been here before. <laughs> I, I've, I've been on this ride. Let's just say at the end of your bench,
0: you should be shuffling through some tight ends that yes. you're not yes, sure you if, should. if they're going to have the position. Right now, who is the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys?
4: It's Peyton. No, it's probably uh, Jake Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't think of his first name because you wrote down Turd Ferguson. It's funny name.
0: Yeah, Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. Yeah, T- a funny uh, name. Big hat. <laughs> He's big and slow compared to Peyton Hendershot, who actually has a production profile in college. He had a thirty eight percent Dominator rating at Indiana. It's ninety eight percentile and. And This is deep dive, but he was actually used in the intermediate and deep areas. That's where, interesting. Where Turd Ferguson was just short and thin. So,
2: are you telling me if both of these guys are on waivers, you would take Pen- Peyton Hendershot over Turd Ferguson?
0: Yes, I would. Wow. Because what I'm saying is, I want to shoot for somebody with upside. I don't care who my tight end three or four is on my bench. I want somebody that I can shoot the moon for. I don't know this. None situation. of
2: these guys are going to be a superstar. You're looking for Jason Witten, old Jason Witten here.
0: No, I don't. I, I know. I want somebody who actually is athletic. So. I'll take my shot with this dude. Who knows? You can take it or leave it wherever you want to go. But that's going to be it Woo! for the first ever Dynasty Podcast.
4: I need a nap. I need some food.
0: I'll take some Chipotle. Hey,
4: ultimatedraftkit.com, Grab that. UDK
2: Plus, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your Dynasty skills to the next level, check out the thefantasyfootballers.com.